This is our national edition of the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. I'm Nick Kiprios. He's Justin Bourne. He's Sammy McKee, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick, along for the ride as well. In a few minutes, we're going to welcome in Frank Saravelli, Hockey Insider and President of Hockey Content, Daily Faceoff. Frank, along with Elliot and a few others, will be real busy between now and and next Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, when things shut down on the trade deadline. And I think there'd be a lot of happy people for it. Yeah. So now that you're not like, you know, you don't do the insider role per se, are you watching those guys chasing down stuff that we just sort of like hypothesize about and just kind of enjoying yeah. that you don't have to no, do it? the last few years... Uh, for sure. Like, you make your calls, you get your info, but you're yeah. not, like, breaking I, stuff. I, I really do it for the context of the show. Yeah. Which I love, right? Because you just hear what, hear what you hear, and then you have people like Frank come on or Elliot Friedman yeah. come on, and then you bounce it off of him, and what are you hearing, and what am I hearing, and uh, I hope everyone uh, has a little fun with it. Mm-hmm. X has sort of ruined the, or Twitter has ruined the trade deadline experience. Because like, I remember being younger and watching it on TV and finding out on TV where guys were traded and you're sitting there, you're glued to the TV all day. It's definitely changed the relationship with it, having social media. But, yeah, it's one of my fair days of the year. There's nothing that gets people going like transactions, boys. In in the heyday of the show before, like, Twitter got going, like, I would hear of a trade and then I'd... Hold on to it. No, I'd, I'd, I'd call the player. And then I could hear him... the phone picks up. It's his wife. And it's like, oh, it's that guy on the TV that's doing all the trades. Oh. And I told Craig Conroy he got traded. No way. Yes. Wow. I told him. How'd that go over? He did a promo years later saying, I was watching, and then Nick Kiprios <laughs> told me. That's good. You know, that's the way it used to yeah. be back then. Yeah. No, you're right, though, Sam. Like, you don't. See it happen yeah. on television as much as you know. You just find out on Twitter, but yeah. um, no, it is. I mean, rosters are remade. The Leafs are the perfect example. Where last year they they got six or seven new players within a week of the deadline, and you know you can reshape the look of a team entirely. We had okay. Go ahead. No, See, you go. You I would say we had uh, our conversation the other day about Elias Pettersson. <laughs> yes, um, and you know we were just throwing things at the wall. And Frank, who I have on, and Elliot have both been kind of. Weighing in on that. All right. We're going to pick that up with Frank Saravelli. Before we do that, we want to make sure everybody knows this hour of Real Kipper and Born, brought to you by Bet365. All right. Let's welcome him in. A very busy guy. And it kind of started last night, Frank, with uh, the trade of Chris uh, Tanov. First of all, uh, your thoughts on the trade. And did it set the market price for others to follow now? Hey guys, uh, glad to be with you. I would say finally a trade, uh, first one in 26 <laughs> days. And second, I would say as much as I would hope that that TANEV deal to Dallas would sort of springboard or, or open up the floodgates on the market, I, I don't think that it has necessarily anything to do with market price and or what happens next, other than the fact that the Calgary Flames can now focus solely on Noah Hannafin and what happens with him. But when it comes to Tanev, I think the market was more or less set for the most part. When you take a look at 
the defensemen over the last year that have been traded for a first round pick, it was really clear that Tanev didn't fall into that caliber. And more than that, there's been plenty of market history over the last 10 years to suggest that at 34 with his skill set, that he was certainly trending toward a second round pick. It was the Flames that were really after Artem Grushnikov, who helped uh, spur this thing along that that's what ended up turning the tide here. So when it comes to some of the other D-men that are potentially available, someone like Sean Walker, who's rocketed up my board from the Philadelphia Flyers, for instance, I don't think the Tanev trade really has any bearing on him whatsoever. But do you believe that the delay up until now was Calgary thinking that they were going to get Toronto to bite on a first rounder? Do 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 you believe in that? No, I don't think Brad Tree Living was trading a first round pick for Chris Tanev unless there was some kind of larger package that was hugely beneficial for the Leafs that checked multiple boxes. I think they were pretty comfortable in their evaluation that Tanev probably fell into that second round pick bucket. And unfortunately, it's just not a world that the Leafs could be living in unless they found another way to get a second. So I don't think they were holding out hope on the Leafs. I think what they were holding out on was the idea that maybe some other team runs into some issue, whether it's an injury or desperation in play in the standings that they decided to step up and, and make it a first. But the other part of it is the Flames also really valued Grushnikov as a prospect that they were you know, considering that to be a huge part of this deal that helped put it over the top. Frank, here in Canada, if you like, look at the teams that have a chance at the Stanley Cup this year, pretty much all of them would say, boy, or a right shot defensive D-man you know, would go a long way. You look around the NHL for those names. They're great in theory, but they almost don't exist on teams that are uh, you know, making them available. Do you see anyone outside of the box, say, like uh, that's on a good team? You know, I saw Jonas Siegel had an article that mentioned like Will Borgen or Adam Larson. Like, is there a way that we could move past Sean Walker as the best available right D and someone go out and get someone who's an active player on a decent team in a bigger deal. Well, Borny, you just nailed specifically why there's been a hang up for 26 days. It's because a lot of managers have looked at this market and said, Hey, there's probably three or four real bona fide difference makers that are available. And the rest are just kind of, Hey, nice piece, but not entirely sure that I want to trade my future assets for them. And so that's part of where they were at is making calls around the league to try and get creative guys that have term guys that are part of, you know, you mentioned two really intriguing ones from Seattle that they just seem sort of dead set on uh, staying the course of where they're at. And part of the explanation for that is we talked about it on the trade market about how thin that is then take a step back and look forward to this summer's free agent market. And you see it's really thin there too, like in terms of really finding clear difference makers and teams that have those guys want to try and hang on to them because you can go out if you're Seattle and make a trade to move one of those guys now. But the first thing you're going to do when the summer rolls around is try and plot and plan to figure out a way to get one of them back. We're talking to Frank Cervelli, Hockey Insider, President of Hockey Content, Daily Faceoff. Uh, Frank, you reported the other day that the Canucks have made significant progress with superstar uh, Vancouver's uh, Pedersen. And what is working on, what, what has been worked on is uh, what you believe is an eight-year contract extension. If we're sharing notes, I had heard 
that he may be sitting on an eight-year deal in the ballpark of $96 million here. So uh, what's the latest on that from your end? Yeah, that intel certainly lines up with what I have. Uh, I do believe that the AAV on an eight-year deal, if Pedersen and the Canucks can get this across the finish line, is certainly give or take, uh, I would even say potentially on the plus side of $96 million, um, but it's right there in that ballpark. That's what they're working on. Um, this has been a massive development for Vancouver. This has been something that they've been pining over for the last number of months, trying to get Pedersen to come to the table and get this done. That development happened in the last 48 to 72 hours. There was lots of noise over the weekend about his situation, how perplexed some teams are around the league. And frankly, truly how frustrated the Canucks were that they're saying, Hey, we will pay you whatever you want. Just tell us you want a four year deal. Great. You want five years. Sure. Eight outstanding, whatever the case may be. They've been trying so hard to get this guy under contract because he's such a big part of their future that it was really getting to an uncomfortable position. Like they could get through the regular season. No problem. Fine. But if you get to day one of the offseason, all that does is start the countdown clock on the date that an arbitration filing could be made. Because if you have Pedersen file for ARB and he goes through with it on a one-year award, what you're looking at is the end of his days in Vancouver, more or less. And so to be able to get something like that done before you have to let this combustible market and bubbling cauldron get even more so fired up, to just get that off their plate, not to mention what it can mean planning and plotting wise, even over these next eight days is humongous. So if you're just throwing things at the wall, you you want to say on PD? I do. Okay, go. Yeah. For why this is taking so long, you know, like what would have conceivably changed? Why has he not been at the table? What has made him not want to sign prior to now? I'm not really good at throwing things. This is what we do. Uh, It's fun. Let's try. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'll give you my best guess. <laughs> uh, just from people who know him really well and have played with him, uh, they say that he's a really introverted guy, that a lot of the typical things that you think might move a player or motivate a player aren't necessarily what do it for him. I don't think it's ever really been about getting every last dollar. I don't think it's ever really been about anything other than enjoying to play. And he's a really different guy in that sense that um, he's not, you know, hungry to be the focus of attention. He doesn't need to have the biggest contract. All those things to him are just kind of like, am I playing well this week? Mm -hmm. And that's really as far as his universe extends. So In that sense, I can understand why someone with the expectations that the Canucks had internally this year, if not around the rest of the league, that his focus was just on playing. And then either way, you're probably still going to be a really wealthy man. Right. So if it's not about every last dollar, which most of the time it is, is there any danger for Vancouver Canuck fans that Petey is in a similar situation as Matthew Kachuk was in Calgary where he just springs it on him that I'm, I'd like to move on. Are they, are they, is there a danger in that happening, Frank, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, this would take that out of the mix, right? I mean, 
this would totally lock him in long-term as a Vancouver Canuck, which is what the Canucks have been after. And it would totally relieve any sort of anxiety and fear that probably exists in the back of a lot of front offices heads around the league when it comes to star players is players have rights. They've always had some rights, but they're flexing those muscles more than they ever have and trying to do things a little bit differently and use that voice and power that they have in a good way. I would say that just leaves people feeling a tad nervous at time at times. And when you can't get an answer, you're essentially being stiff armed. You're saying, Hey, I'm willing to, to roll out the red carpet for you. I will open our wallet. Just tell us what you want. And you don't get an answer. Can't get them to the table. That's the part that had been unnerving for Vancouver. So looking at your trade board, Frank, there's still some big names out there. There's Hannafin and Gensel. I know here in Toronto, there's interest in a guy like Adam Henrique. Um, we'll start with, I think Jake Gensel is probably the, the most interesting offensive name. What do you see as a potential destination for him? If in fact the Penguins want to move this guy, now they're making a little bit of a push. Well, they're making a push. And I think everyone's really closely watching the flyers and what's happening there because Consider their sort of precarious position in the standings. They're only a few points up on some of these teams, like a Washington, for instance, that most people counted off for dead a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago. They're six points back with two games in hand on the Flyers. That's just an example. Pitt is in that same mix. But then consider Ristolainen's out, Jamie Drysdale's out, and you might trade Sean Walker and or Nick Sealer, and all of a sudden you rip off the top four defensemen on that team, and then what? Does that team sink like a rock in the standings that might open up the door for a Pittsburgh or a Washington? So I think there's still a couple things to figure out. And by the way, Washington has two enormous games over the next five days against the Flyers and Penguins. They've got a few players on their list. But when it comes to Gensel, who you asked about specifically, I had gotten some intel and talked about this today. The idea that, oddly or interestingly enough, the Penguins have received more interest in terms of teams, not saying return, but teams than Riley Smith, on Riley Smith than Jake Gensel. So a lot more interesting, interested parties i would say when it comes to riley smith than jake gensel which i find fascinating because i think jake gensel point per game player for the last five years is the premier impact rental forward available it's not really close like this guy is a clutch scorer mm-hmm. he led a postseason in goals to think that teams aren't lining up to try and get this guy to me is kind of interesting how fast does Hannafin move now that they've got Tanov out there? And is it a foregone conclusion he ends up uh, back home in Boston with the Bruins or is Tampa in the mix? Not a foregone conclusion that he ends up in Boston. Uh, I would say that the intel I received is that this is going to be an absolute grind. That it more or less, if you want to explain it in the most simple terms possible, that the Hannafin camp has essentially hijacked this process. That of the teams that have expressed interest, they haven't exactly been shy to some of them to whisper, Hey, you know, you're not a fit for us to resign long-term. So that has taken some teams out of the mix. That's emboldened some other teams that potentially may not have inch or may have interest, but don't have the assets to think that they're going to be players in this situation with Calgary. And I think, honestly, it's kind of created a really weird dynamic in this situation moving forward that, 
I don't know exactly what that list looks like, but I can tell you at least two of the teams that I have confirmed to be on it, Tampa and Florida are teams that he's signaled that he'd be interested in re-signing with. I think some of the other teams, speculation but not confirmed, include Vegas, Boston, and L.A., and I don't know where that would leave some other teams. What about Detroit? What about New Jersey? There's a few other question marks around the league, but the number one player on our board in Hannafin is a pretty much lock to get traded. Uh, the question is really in light of the TANEV deal, what can Calgary muster in a return given all that we just talked about? You know, when you're looking at guys who could make a difference in a playoff run, and obviously Noah Hannafin is easily one of those. A name that stands out for me is Pavel Buchnevich in, uh, in St. Louis. Really good player. Like, big guy, 28 years old, 24 goals already this year. Back to the Rangers. Do you see a fit somewhere? Where do you like for him? And what's, what's a cost for a player like that? It uh, starts with two first-round picks, <gasps> is what Doug, Arm- Doug Armstrong has told teams. And for my money, Pavel Buchnevich is the most unheralded point-per-game player in the league. Agreed. And you say, Buchnevich, point-per-game? Go look at his numbers. 193 games in St. Louis, 191 points. I mean, it is as close as you can get. And when I look at some of those fits, I, I think the Rangers could be one. The Rangers have also spent quite a lot of time talking to the Anaheim Ducks about the potential of bringing back Frank Vetrano. The Rangers are also in the market for a center. Um, so they're in that spot in that market. But I wonder about someone like Buchnevich and Vegas, Buchnevich and Edmonton. We know the Ken Holland, Doug Armstrong connection. We know that Barbashev went from St. Louis to Vegas last year and helped them win a cup. You know, Vegas has been in the market for a winger, whether it's Gensel, whether it's Buchnevich, whoever it might be. They've got lots of different options there to load up if Mark Stone doesn't go on Are they going to spend LTIR. the Stone money? I would, if Stone is on LTIR, I'd be shocked if they didn't spend at least a portion <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. Automatic Vegas. Automatic, they'd spend that money. So mm-hmm. Leafs lose out on Tanov, right-handed D. They need a right-handed D. They're just not going to not get one. They have to get one. What are the names out there? Could they could they be knocking on Montreal's door for David Savard? Potentially, I think Montreal is open to just about anything. Um, I mean, going through the list, it's really not very pretty in terms of guys that can make a huge impact. There was some talk about Ilya Labushkin. Could the, could a reunion be in order there? The intel I have on Anaheim is that they're not absolutely pressing to move him. They really like the fit that he's been with Pavel Minchukov. Um, who else? We talked about Walker. Am I missing anyone on the right side? Who's, I mean. I hope so. It's thin. <laughs> I wish I, hope, I was as thin as the market. Missing. Nick Jensen. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm out of names. I know. I, uh, as I said, I, I wish I was as. I wish I was as thin as the right shot. <laughs> uh, anything else uh, off the top of your head uh, that is of interest right now? It's, I don't get the sense. I mean, famous last words, you know, kiss of death. I, I 
don't get the sense at this exact moment in time that anything is is imminent, front burner, but uh, life happens fast. Life is, go look at Vancouver. It comes at you fast. Well, hopefully you get some action around deadline. Save it till the till the final day for you. All right, Frank, yeah, we'll, we'll let you go. We know you're busy on and off the uh, the air and uh, on and off the phone calls. So uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Frank. Have a good one, guys. Okay, Frank Saravelli, Hockey Insider, president of Hockey Content Daily Faceoff. That's Boy. fun. They just sit there and just throw names up. Yeah. Every guy's in my packing. Yeah. Turn it, <laughs> their, their lives turn upside down. We're throwing out their names well, like it's like, uh, having a beer. Unfounded in many cases. You know, just like, wow. oh, what about uh, Nick Jensen? What about him? Sammy, isn't that what you tell me all the day? This is what you do on sports radio. Uh, people love transactions, boys. This is you guys naming off those names to me is why it's such a massive loss for the Leafs to not get Tanev. Like, he is so yeah. far and away the you're, best you're, right-handed shot defense. You know what it is, too, that has had value for him is that he is – and he, go look at all the clips the last couple of years talking about the guy Tanev is. Like, that's another thing for, for especially the Leafs. They wanted him in the room. Mm. That is – that's so underrated. Yeah. Part, part of the – Setting of cost in the real world is supply and demand, and there's just no yeah. supply and so much demand. Yeah. So I don't think it would have been unreasonable to overspend. I think Calgary got him for a very reasonable, or sorry, Dallas got him for a very reasonable price at one point two five million against their cap. Yeah, I'm. Su- I I really am surprised that you know hearing Frank there, who knows so much more than me, and I'll ever know, but just that like there's no first round pick offer for him. I guess they love that prospect of the Dallas, that Russian kid or whatever. But to me, it's just. Yeah, listen. But he's I mean, got, like, who's going to have more value to a team, Sean Monahan or Chris Tanev? You, you, yeah, Tanev, I'm sure. You, you well, talk. Uh, good, yeah, he yeah, scores. Yeah. But, like, you think about what he does for a team, Tanev, you think, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me. He, he's uh, a playoff guy. The prospect that Calgary got was probably Dallas's third best defenseman prospect. So he's not. An A-lister. Mm-hmm. He's a B. So most will have him in the third pair. If this guy somehow develops in the next few years and gets himself into a, a 3-4, then it's a huge bonus. Mm. But this guy was not a grade A prospect. Mid. Mid. <laughs> so outside of that that's a great it's uh drop there there is something to be said about the marketplace right now yeah that that tanov's was the perception was he was the best available right-handed d by a long margin long shot and they couldn't get a first rounder for him that's good if you're a buyer at the deadline you say tanov didn't get a first what do you think you're getting a first for i don't know fill in your name so we led the conversation off with Frank there about the Pedersen stuff. Yeah. I wanted to quickly revisit his answers. You wanted to quickly revisit how we started it? Is that what you wanted to do? <laughs> no, I, I think there's been a lot of noise around like, hey, it's almost the deadline. Yeah, there's a What's lot of noise. What's happening here? For sure. Are you signing? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. You know, Frege did uh, mention something that like it's not ironclad that it's going to happen, you know, but it does seem like it's going to happen here at this point. A signing? Yeah, I, I I hear mixed. Yeah. I, I I I'm guessing. That's right. all. I'm guessing he'll stay here. He'll play this out longer. But 
it's funny watching the progression or the evolution of a free agent, <laughs> either UFA now or RFA. It's, mm. it's been quite the process over the last 10, 15 years because... RFA used to get you a little bridge deal. Here's your million bucks. We'll pay you later. Well, the, the evolution is that, you know, you didn't have to worry about it until July 1st when they became UFAs. And then there was that kind of, you can get away with telling people, I really like it here and I'd like to stay. And we know it's BS that they're bolting. But they were able to kind of mask it and hide it for many, get many, there. many, many years. And then the last few that I think got away with it, and off the top of my head is John Tavares. In, in, he didn't in, get away uh, with it. He's lost no. every fan he had in the yeah, state. No, 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 for sure. Okay, okay, but what I'm point. saying is up it. until he signed with Toronto, mm -hmm. he had everybody believing, and especially in the Long Island area, that he was not going anywhere because he's our captain and he really, really likes it here. And so now... You've lost faith in that guy that wants to just tell everybody, yeah, I really like it here, but, you know, so get off my back and don't ask me again. Well, So they lost. There's a lot of trust lost in that. And then it evolved last year to the point where now it's like an R, uh, uh, a restricted free agent, not unrestricted, can go into his last year and... We need to know. And we need to know now. Like, mm -hmm. we're not even letting you get to UFA a year from now. We need to know now. So the Matthew Kachuk took us all by by storm, did it not? When yes. it was like, I told them I'm not resigning. We're like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa, where did this come from? And how did this happen? And wow, what a new strategy. Never seen this before in the history of our game where a, a a free agent, restricted free agent, would come out and be so forthcoming on information, and I'm doing you a favor. Yeah. I'm telling you I'm not coming back. You have the chance to recoup assets for me. But that was, like, in the summer. Mm -hmm. Now Vancouver Canucks are getting ahead of it yeah. because they're starting to ask questions in March yeah. for, for, for Petey, and that is, like... Well, you got to give us some signals now. Well, you know, this is a risk-averse industry, and I think that trusting that people are going to stay who don't have a contract and just walking them to UFA and crossing your fingers is not really a viable strategy for a lot of people who, again, are risk-averse. So I understand why people want to know, and I think, you know, Frank said himself in that interview, he goes, if you go to arbitration, that's the start of the end because you'd get a one-year award. It's not getting to arbitration. Well, uh, yeah. No, but okay. that's the point. Is it's that, not, yeah. It's, that's we, we know. It's, it's, we, it's flushed out when by they then. tell you you suck right? for... <laughs> it's flushed out. Well, yeah, and he's this, in the arbitration award for $12 million one year to walk him to UFA, and then if he doesn't want to sign, you got to deal him anyway. So between now and I don't know when, he's either going to sign a four-year deal, a six-year deal, an eight-year deal, or he's not going to sign at all. And then it's a full panic to trade him in the offseason, just like Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Think like, Those are the like options here. Huberto? <laughs> right? <laughs> you guys want a 115-point hey, guy for him? The Uyghur part of that trade was that really out. good. Yeah. He shoots, right? He'd be nice. Uh, game time, boys? All game right. Time. Let her rip. Uh-oh. I don't have it in front of me here. Just Give me one second. Give out some more bread. 
<laughs> it's game time presented by Bet. It's game time. <laughs> it's game time presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary. Bet365 must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Now, a couple things in the game you guys are on the TV for tonight, the Leafs and the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. This is one of the more mind-blowing things I've ever heard. Let's have it. Okay. So, forget who it was that pointed out the, the stat I put in here, that the Leafs haven't got a home regulation win against the Coyotes since October 17th, 2002. That's a long time ago. How many games are we talking? So, they ha- they've... A couple of years. They have a... Well, well, I guess at least one year. They're 10-0-2 against the Leafs since 2002. They've, I guess they've lost in overtime twice to the Leafs. But the last time the Leafs... And this is... Uh, Credit to Jeff Fayette, who pointed this out. The last time uh, the Leafs beat the Coyotes, like I said, October 17th, 2002, is also the day Matthew Nyes was born. The prodigal son. The chosen one. The day <laughs> he was born. I know, I know you guys hate those kind of weird numbers. That, uh, that is insane. Is unbelievable. If you had said the day that baby was born, the Leafs won't beat the Coyotes in Toronto until this kid scores the game winner. I mean, you'd have been like, what are you talking about? But the crazy thing is, it's like you have an embodiment of how long it takes. It's like I always say, whenever I see my buddy's kids, I'm like, children are the great barometer of time. Matthew Nyes is the embodiment of how long it's taken the Leafs to. Uh, so in saying all that, Give me a Matthew Nyes oh anytime God. goal tonight at plus three twenty. There's to never me, been a more sure thing. Yeah, than him scoring the, the tonight. curse of the like the curse yeah. of the Nyes Bino here. He's gonna go out there and knock it off. So give me that. Crazy. Um, I don't know if it's quite as crazy as Tyler Bertuzzi being the first leaf to score a hat trick on his birthday, but it's still up there. <laughs> uh, another really good game tonight. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars in Dallas. Winnipeg Jets are streaking a bit here. Back up on top of the uh, Central Division, the Western Conference. Dallas Stars are minus 135 favorites. Give me the Jets as an underdog at plus 115. They're hot, like the way they're playing. And no tan of No tan of yet. So, I mean, they didn't trade anybody off their roster. It's not going to affect yeah. them. But I just, hey. I love the way the Jets are lo- looking. And that's Tanev's going to wear Klingberg's three, eh? They're going to pull a, out of the rafters. That's a, <laughs> a visa issue, right? Yes. For Tanev? <sighs> Could have come to Toronto. would have been fine. Uh, and the last one I had, since we talked about the streak with the Leafs and the Coyotes, I mean, there's something to this. It's a long streak. It's crazy. If you want to, is it sprint, that the Leafs have been bad since 2002? No, I mean they've been good for seven years. <laughs> they come here oh, once know, a year. I know, I know. If you want to sprinkle on the 13 in a row loss, Arizona Arizona Coyotes against the Leafs tonight, it's plus 195. So I think they're taking into effect that they know there's some greater power in, uh, involved here. 13 in a row is a long streak. They're going to win eventually. Maybe Fun it's fact. here. Yeah. On January 1st, Arizona Coyotes had 40 points. The Leafs had 41. They're one point apart in 2024. It is not yet March, and they are 22 points apart wow. now. Wow. Big that, swing. That escalated quickly. Yes, no kidding. Uh, and that was game time. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary. Bet365 must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Okay, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into a little Zach Hyman no. talk. Oh, God. Yeah, you okay over there? Tough leaf show. Sick. Sick. They're yeah. having a bad week. Yeah, great. You want to talk about how, you know, <laughs> Michael Bunting's lighting it up for Carolina this year? This is my nightmare. We're giving Zach some love here because uh, he's earned every bit of it. Uh, 40th goal last night. Nice to see Kadri finding in Calgary, too. Oh, oh, him? Yeah. <laughs> two, two assists by Connor McDavid. 
what's he now? Like, is like one goal and like 25 assists. Yeah, he's on an unbelievable tear <laughs> of non-goalness. All right, Although, plenty more when we return to Real Kipper and Bourne. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Cabrillo's Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, Zach Hyman. Mm. Hey, before, 40th before goal we get into that, of the season. Before we get into that, we got to talk about this Chris Tanev quote, quote that I just trickled across my yeah, across so my live news here on air. Some quick math from the newest Dallas Stars on why he picked number three. Three is kind of half of eight. <laughs> <laughs> Tanev, to be clear, is wearing three in Dallas because it's kind of. Half of eight. That don't make no sense. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love that. That's the most hockey quote I've ever heard. Yeah, every time, every time I throw out, um, like uh, numbers out, like yeah. contracts, it's like ballpark. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, so it's it's in like the vicinity a, of it's, half. It's, it's in the ballpark of yeah. half. Kind of eight. Of half. I honestly, oh, I truly man. do love it because it's what you want man. your shutdown demon the way of thinking. Yes. Be like, I don't deal in exactitude or whatever. It's about half. I don't know. Kind of half. <laughs> All right, Hyman. Sorry, Kipper. Fortieth goal. Only two other guys have scored that many goals that fast in a season in Edmonton history. Uh, can I guess? Yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Oh my God. <laughs> Joke you okay, off. Kid? Uh, Yari Curry. Yeah. yeah. Connor hasn't? McDavid hasn't done think, it? No, I don't think so. Wow. I was going to try to go off the board to somebody, but I thought... Gretzky, probably... Curry, Hyman. So Hyman has 40 goals in 56 games. Hmm. Um, working out pretty nice. Sam tweeted last night about how, you know, his Leafs fan boo-hoo about... It wasn't, well. even, it wasn't even a Leafs fan boo-hoo. It was... I said he was, it was highly criticized, and he's got to be one of the best free agent signings ever. It's remarkable. I didn't, there was no boo-hoo about it. And then in the mentions, I got a little boo-hoo. I said that him and Nazem Kadri should have been career Leafs. But other than that, not really boo-hoo. He's just 31 years old. He uh, had 27 his first year, 36 his next, 40, and on pace for 58 now this season alongside Connor McDavid. I saw people saying to Sam and saying to other people, oh, McDavid, McDavid, you know, doing it for him. McDavid sure helps, but he doesn't help, you know, score you. If he ends up with 55 goals, I mean, give him credit for He's in the right place. He's in the right, at the right time, right place. Like, for me, when I watch him, for him to go into the areas that he does and still hold an edge or a body position and how strong his stick is, is, is... fun to watch he's a coach's dream he goes to the net hard he stops in the paint he puts a stick on the ice he does all the things coaches are like do this and you'll be rewarded board check back check and he's a product of hard work he's put in time off the ice and video whatever like coaches love this guy did, did we find a clip i got a, i got a clip no, about him playing with okay, david we'll listen to I got a stat for you okay. when you're ready yeah let's listen to let's zach, zach first. play with the best player in the world so I'm very fortunate and, and very aware that I'm, I'm pretty lucky. It's obviously one of the, the big reasons I chose to come here was to have the opportunity to play with, with Connor. And, what you're good at. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I guess. But, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. Obviously, you, you learn. And I think a lot of it just has to do with communication. Like, he thinks the game so well. So if I'm able to, to you know, think it with him and, and get to spots that, uh, that he can get the puck to, then, you know, we'll have a good chance to, to score. Pretty simple, right? A very good chance. Yeah. So, like, I'm not saying like McDavid is not to credit, you know, for McDavid. McDavid, or sorry, but Hyman has scored without McDavid. There's Chris. So I just want to say it's not on McDavid. However. Do you have the uh, assist? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. McDavid has assisted on 26 of his 40 goals. Mc- that Jesus. is the second highest one player to another player combo in the NHL this season. Marner. May I guess the first one is? Yeah. <laughs> Matthews, so what you're one. saying is Hyman and Matthews, same guy. Same guy. <laughs> They're basically the same player. So, yeah, 26 uh, for McDavid and Hyman. Yeah. But it's safe to say if Hyman stayed in Toronto, he wouldn't be scoring 40 no. goals right no, now. No, but he might score 40 in a season. He may not score 58, but he could get to 40. Yeah, not with Matthews or Tavares. Yeah. No. Well, let's see. How many did he score with the Leafs? 30. Mm. Do you get 30 in a year? Uh, Not even close. No. He never had more than 21. Yeah. Like 21 in 51 games. So he had a 30-goal pace. Like, we are talking about a guy in, in McDavid who, like, and he's talked about this already, yeah. and it's not like he's consciously thinking, shoot less and pass more. He takes what he sees. Yes. It's a natural reaction, right? Yeah. But there is a sense there that he's an elite Passer. He's the most elite passer. He's the most right? elite man in the league. Yeah. He's top man. He's as I believe they <laughs> would say guy. in England. Yeah. Um, yeah I, 17 like if, primary you had, if you took Mitch Marner right now mm-hmm. and put him with McDavid all season long, I, I got to think Marner's a 50 goal scorer. That'd be a hell of a line. Be a lot, right? of, a lot of deception and speed. No comment. You don't think he'd score 50? I do. Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's it's conceivable, but he would have or to they, change his, his mindset, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's no, how you'd be no, playing sure. ping pong. I mean, game. No, no. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you You're know, right. Like, yeah. Hyman's not... You would never put them together because they're both distributors. I don't know. It's, uh, Hyman's learned how to get to certain areas where it's not a give and go and give it back to 97. Yeah. It's like... Give, give and God. He's a trained dog. Go to the, the blue net. paint. Stick down. Yeah. Do your thing, you know? But and he's yeah. smart enough to do it to his credit. I think back to when we had Rob Brown on. I don't know how long ago that was to talk about the Oilers. But he said, like, he watches them every night. And he said that he does just as much for him in terms of creating space and getting pucks back for him. Like, I just hate. The, like, he scored 40 goals. That's great. Maybe it's above whatever his perception, like, whatever you think he would score, clearly. Yeah. But he's really good. And really important to Effective that. And it's guy, like, yeah. he's awesome. And he's, and he's worth every penny of that contract. Probably not twice it, but, you know, cut it in three and a half. And I don't know what you want to do oh. here, but more. He if is, he was going into UFA right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, uh, uh, he, uh, Reinhardt. He's got 28 games, uh, playoff games with the Oilers, and he has 14 goals in those 28 playoff games. That's pretty nice numbers. Uh, another guy I want to bring up from the Oilers. Watched that game last night. God, Nuge is so good. I like the Nuge too. Nice that, back check, eh? That play comes back on the breakaway. Yeah. He's just, he is a really yeah. important. Is that on under, Thomas? Yeah, underrated Thomas guy. Too I don't like know a, why he slowed down. Because he, he thought he was going to shoot it. Yeah, time, he's just yeah. like, no, you got to maintain your speed there. Yeah. He, I think he just got into the. He did the Patrick Kane and OT, like, no, I'm going to slow this thing no, down. He's, like, he's went to the driving range, <laughs> right? Just yeah. dropped the bucket of balls and. Yeah, a little too catch. Shoot it. Yeah. 
All right, we have uh, Bruce Cassidy. Oh, yeah. is making his return to Boston tonight. And, uh, you know, that's a big game for him after getting fired. A great quote out of him. Second, It's the second one because he went there last year, right? And then okay. he got asked about it again. Oh, so if we can uh, play that, Derek. What's different going back, you know, this time around? Are the emotions different, similar? Uh, different. I think last year there was the unknown. Yeah. Didn't know what would happen. You come back in here, you know, you get let go. So... You, know, you don't know if you're going to get booed out of the building or a nice hand. So, uh, anyway, we got that over with. Um, it's nice to come back with a big, big, nice, shiny ring on your finger, too. That's a, another, always a good visit with that. Did, did any- That's awesome. Yeah, just so you know, I'm coming home with a big old ring. I like Bruce Cassidy a lot. I do, too. I yeah. think he's a hell of a coach. And I got no problem with that. You know, it's kind of a fun. No, it's awesome. You don't get to fire someone, have them win a ring, then not come home yeah. and show it. And, you know, he's. Big, nice, shiny ring on your finger, too. Yeah. I mean, it didn't end on the greatest terms. Yeah. Hardly ever does when you what, get fired. What year did he get fired after? What, I'm trying to think. It was, yeah, so it's his second year with them, yeah. with Vegas this year. So I'm just thinking back to what happened there. But it wasn't, it wasn't a good It finish. wasn't the year they won. Montgomery was there the year they won 136-point teams. Yeah. So before that. I can't yeah. remember their, their playoff run the year he got fired. Mm. I don't know. They get eliminated in the first or second round every year, pretty much, or half for a while now. Yeah, they do. They're lucky they got that one early because they would have the biggest choker yeah. resume ever. Yeah. You, and you can never say it because they got the cup in this era of hockey, which, how which is that a was reminder, 15 years ago. If teams get it, you can it, kill that reputation for your Leafs. You, know? you just got to get it. Got to get it. Although they And you say it was all part of the process. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> New York Rangers last night, it was a quiet game uh, or a quiet night in terms of the amount of games last night, but we did watch a little bit of the Rangers against Columbus Mm -hmm. where Panarin scored twice uh, with a revenge win against uh, Columbus, but uh, no Matt Rempe. Well, fight. No fight, yeah. No fight. Although there now, was a scrum. You guys happy about? Yeah, there was. A, There's a scrum, and they had the yes. lion tamers holding him yeah. back from getting involved. Yeah, but now, he played career anyway. high seven minutes and forty six seconds last night. Yeah. I love how much we're talking about this guy. Never. He's our favorite player. Yeah. He's our show's you, new favorite player. Yeah. Oh, listen, I wrote an article today. Uh, you? On on him. Yeah. Come on. Oh yeah. Oh no no no. This is. This I is, love this it. Kid Kipper doesn't have thirty is. minutes in the league, and he's uh, thirty minutes in the Toronto league. Star and, front and, page. Uh, this guy had the biggest scrums all week in the Ranger dressing room. Okay, so there, there's, there's a thirst, there's a market <laughs> for this guy right now, yeah. and I wanted to acknowledge it without forgetting that we're in a new era here, and there's a constant watchdog on this behavior and the amount of hits that you, a guy can Is take to Paros his head. Is the watchdog? Who's the watchdog? But he, every fan watching the oh, game. I see. Okay? Yeah. Every reporter, every fan sitting there going, okay, we're not going back to even my era where I fought and got all the things that he's getting now in terms of accolades from teammates and coaches. But nobody was sitting there going, hey, Careful, kid. Careful, son. You can get hurt. They're going, we love this kid. He's right? still fighting. Right? There was nobody, yeah. nobody telling me about all of this, but this guy, from the moment we saw him drop the gloves against Matt Martin, uh, there's going to be a constant reminder. There's going to be watchdogs, guardian angels, whatever you want to call them, in his face saying, buddy, you can get hurt doing this. Yeah. So that's the oh. biggest difference between then and now. But the, the, the energy, the thirst, and like – 
what do teams do now moving forward if this guy's going to be in the lineup playing eight minutes a night and maybe taking runs at some of your players like uh, Bastion uh, with yeah, Bastion and Bastion in uh, Jersey. Uh, in Jersey, man. He yeah. just uh, it's a scary thought. This guy they they think he might be six eight and a half now. He might have grown this morning. He's grown uh, since they drafted him an inch and a half or something. Like that. One of my really good buddies, Dave, was at the game last night at Madison Square Garden. He was texting me about it, and he just said. Like, he had a play where he banged it off the end glass the second he touched the puck, place just, like, erupts. He's like, the whole talk of his whole section, everybody's just talking about Rempe. He's, like, sweeping the yeah. – he's sweeping New York. I saw him yeah. last night go down on a two-on-one. He, 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 he missed a pass. Yeah. Uh, he, when he gets the puck, it's not like a, a panic. It's not like he's chopping it in about ten different yeah. pieces. He had, a, he had a calmness a little bit when he had the puck. Yeah. You know how this goes, though, right? Like, I mean, now – there's a lot of press for a kid who's got no time in the NHL. We'll see if he can develop into an everyday useful wow. guy. That's it. Is it 15 minutes of fame here? Yeah. Or is he going to turn this into a, a, a career, a role, uh, an energy guy? Can he put the fear in God in some of the opponents? Because I, I think he can. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I think it's good to note, you know, and I think he's even said it, too, that, you know, he wants to be a player, too. You know, you can't play in today's NHL just being a puncher. You cannot. It doesn't so, exist. let me ask you guys. Rangers, Leafs, Saturday night. Hoping. See, first reaction. I am. And you are with probably, I don't know, where would you have that percentage now of the Sammies out there that wants to watch Ryan Reeves and Rempe fights Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada. Where are you? 50-50? No, it's way, way higher than that. 85? Yeah. Yeah. 90? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love that. I mean, I mean, how many people, if you're in the building, are going, would you like to see them fight? They're going, mm, no. 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 Yeah, like I'm sure the people, all the, the lubricated crowd on Saturday nights will be like, Careful. I'm not careful. Oh, be careful, fellas. Careful. Hey. I'm here for the safety. That's when they pull out their ticket stop and go, 300 bucks. You're darn right I want to see this. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a lot of response to our conversation about Tanev's number. And people are saying that a three is literally half oh, of an eight. Oh, God. Now I feel so stupid. But it's so, like, it's like you cut a. I get it now. I feel, I'm so embarrassed that we but, ripped this guy. But and hold that's on. The point. We sure? See, I just trusted you. Don't that do that. Three and a half. Well, are, are we sh- sure that's what he yes. says? That's what eight. Like, are we giving three, him too much credit? Can I get the credit? quote again? Uh, three is kind of half of eight, is the quote. Yeah, that's what he means. You think? Well, why would he, he say if you cut an eight, you get a three? I get it. You know, he's a hockey player with limited <laughs> vocabulary. He's just getting the words but out with what he can. He's going, it's a half of an eight. We're three guys up here with a limited v- vocabulary. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here every day. <laughs> <laughs> I got, oh, I got rocks for Rain's voice. That makes sense. Anyway, pretend uh, that conversation yeah, didn't happen. I don't think. I don't think guys, that's what he meant. Somebody's got to be smarter than me up here on this desk, please. If there's there's supposed to be producer, up. producer, oh, oh, help the you. talent. Step up. <laughs> Step up. Oh my All right. god! So uh, unbelievable night in the NHL tonight. Mm. Unbelievable night. Vegas and Boston is Great you know game. one of those potential Stanley Cup preview type games. Mm-hmm. Islanders Red Wings is a wild card battle, but also Red Wings might pass the Leafs. The big game for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, also on the dog, yeah, the Leafs are playing, which I know you find really There's a ho- interesting. There's a hockey game. Yeah, uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, all the Atlantic teams yep. are, are in action. It's going to be a really good and night. So. Late game after Leafs action, if you're into that sort of thing. 
LA Kings oh, in yeah. uh, Vancouver. LA Vancouver. That's what's looking yeah. for the other games. Yep. That's that's going to be a big one too. Yep. Pittsburgh at it with Seattle. Lots of good hockey tonight. You I, and me are going over to the desk right now to talk about uh, Toronto, Arizona. Yeah, and I'm getting hungry. Should we order in? What's what's the deal here? Souvlaki? What are you after? If I'm <laughs> call the king of the Dan for me. King happen. of the Danny doing? <laughs> George Galinikos on the mission. Yeah. Georgios. Georgios. <laughs> Souvlaki. It was really, you Greek? No. It was back re- of the line. It was really good. <laughs> it was amazing. High quality stuff. Uh, um, oh no. Where are you? Uh, so what is it tonight that's got your attention? Going into the evening here. Set the stage on our way out the door. Uh. Yeah, I probably have to go with uh, Vegas and Boston. I think has got uh, it's got my attention here because Boston. Like, if, if you're the Leafs right now, are you Rangers or the Bruins? Who would you rather see in the playoffs? Like, assuming Florida yeah. wins the Atlantic, would you rather yeah. get Boston or the Rangers? What do you think? Boston looks Boston. to me like. They went hard. They went hard at the start with great goaltending. Mm. Yeah, a little vulnerable. A little vulnerable right now. Leafs play them twice coming up. Lot, yeah, three, two, and five in their last ten for the Bruins. All right, get us out of here. All right. Make sure you're sticking around. Is Justin and I will uh, be on air in about what half an hour mm-hmm. on uh, Leafs regional tonight? Arizona Coyotes, Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh, like the boys were saying. Ton of games tonight. Pick yours, enjoy it, and we're back tomorrow. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Off the rails Friday it tomorrow. Friday tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Doug March first tomorrow. All wow. right. Almost golf season, boys. All right. Ooh. Enjoy the rest of your leap year. We're out of here.